Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire. With my busy life, I use shipped same-day delivery to keep up. When I need a jar of extra creamy peanut butter delivered, I know my personal shopper Amber will come through. And if it's not on the shelf, she asks them to check the back. Shipped. Delight in every delivery. Learn more at shipped.com. To get the Crime Writers on After Show right now, go to patreon.com slash partners in crime media. I'm Rebecca Lavoy, and this is Crime Writers On. Crime Writers On is the original true crime review podcast that digs into true crime, pop culture, other podcasts. And this week, a Crime Writers On classic rewind, when all of the country wanted to know who drew the dicks. We'll talk about the groundbreaking true crime satire from Netflix, American Vandal. Joining me to get that done and more is true crime author, TV journalist, and host of the These Are Their Stories podcast, my husband and love of my life, Kevin Flint. Hello, Kevin. Hello, Rebecca. Kevin, remind us about when this review first came out. All right, close your eyes and head back to the wonderful month of September 2017. Nobody had to wear masks or yeah. get shots. You, you sneezed, we didn't run away. Didn't run away. Yes. Democracy was well in place. Um, was so- it? <laughs> <laughs> we were worried it might not be, but it was. Uh, so, yeah, this came out on Netflix eight-part series, American Vandal. As you might recall, it was a, uh, a satire of all kinds of true crime uh, documentaries. It involved uh, a story of some high schoolers investigating the crime of vandalism where right. somebody drew dicks all over the cars in the parking lot. Do you remember how many dicks? A lot of dicks. We, there was a specific number. What was the amount of dicks? Well, you'll find out in a second here. You know what it had? What? Big cello. Had big cello. We'll hear this again in the review, but one of the things that stuck out to us at the time and reminded me again today was how this was a young genre, mm-hmm. true crime, mainstream true crime, yep. and that all of a sudden this satire identified and poked fun at all the cliches that were coming out. All the tropes. The tropes, the drone shots, and the, yeah, the... The, the, the animation. Anime. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All of it. And I'll just say, I wish that we had had more time to talk about it. Certainly given the, where we have placed it on the ziggurat yes. of true crime titles. It was a, it was a very busy um, episode that week. I think we were talking about Accused, and I, uh, there was a... Uh, an update and making a murderer. So it, it took up a lot of time. So I wish that we had talked at least twice as long about it. But this really uh, stands out as one of our favorite things that we've seen. You know what I remember about American Vandal? What? I remember that in addition to being satirical, in addition to it being, you know, a real poke at the genre, it also like has a tremendous amount of heart. Mm-hmm. The performances were really great, but there's also some like real stuff in there about like, the problems with the criminal justice system and assuming guilt and like stereotyping and all that stuff. And at the time, and we'll hear this again, you really liked the portrayal of teenagers. Yes. The honest way that that, that it was uh, portrayed. And what can we say? There were a lot of dick jokes. Yeah. It's, it, it was American Vandal. One of my favorite genres of humor. All right. Should we take a listen? 
Take a listen. Shall we? In our double bill, we're going to be talking about now another Netflix show called American Vandal. This is a parody true crime series that wickedly satirizes everything related to the recent rise of true crime entertainment. This is not the way I thought things were going to go. I was going to graduate high school, get my degree in my engineering. I know I didn't do it. It is a shocking scene for Hanover High teachers today. The vandal spray painted obscene images on 27 cars. Oh my God. I'll never understand what's so amusing about penises. The investigation centers on whether expelled stoner Dylan Maxwell was truly responsible for spray painting 27 dicks on teachers' cars. Who drew the dicks? <laughs> Outside of his high school, it's both profane and insightful and holding up its mirror to amateur sleuths, hackneyed production values, audience obsession, and yes, even the industry within the industry. Of reviewing true crime shows. <laughs> you mean moi? I was a little bit worried <laughs> during the show that there would be a parody of us. There was like a moment where I was like, uh-oh, uh-oh. there was. Yes, there yeah, totally yeah. was. All right. Now, um, it's easy to dismiss the joke at the center of the series as just an extended dick joke. And yeah, I think, You said extended dick. <laughs> I think when we saw the trailer for American Vandal, I think, Kevin, you and I had the same reaction, which is like, how can they possibly do eight episodes about this topic? But can we just like talk about the dick joke and just get it out of the way? There's a lot of dick in the first episode of this podcast. Laura, when you watched episode one of American Vandal, what did you think you'd gotten into? I was like, oh, God, is it, what is this? Is, I, is this like geared towards like teenage kids? And I'm watching like some kind of like, you know, it just um, there was a lot of peen. Um, yeah. But <laughs> I had to bring that up, Kevin. You know, I've been waiting. A lot of painted um, peen. <laughs> there was, there was, there was. And there was a lot of discussion about the specifics of the painted peen. So I, I wasn't sure where this was going. I was like, is this just going to be like dumb dick jokes the whole time? It wasn't, thankfully. But that's kind of when we started. I was like, oh, here we go. This is going to be dumb. Now, before we move on from the dick jokes, Toby, you are a serious scholarly author of a well-regarded, <laughs> well-reviewed series of books. But come on, dicks are funny, right? I was watching it with my son, oh. and we were we were laughing so hard. Same yeah. as in college, it's it's cool. We were yeah, watching yeah. with our kids yeah. too, and they're in high school. It was hilarious. It, yes. Yeah. Because dicks are funny, right, Toby? And ball hairs. And <laughs> the whole. The ball hairs are different. They the computer are. reenactment of the hand job. Oh, well, my God. That, that. There's so many things. <laughs> well, but that's, that's like, let's talk about that now because the show quickly pivots from a series of quick dick jokes and ball hair jokes to a really great satire that uses every single visual and storytelling and plot trope we have seen and consumed. Like, our whole job on this podcast is to watch and review media, and they basically lampoon and use every single aspect of that media in this show. So, Toby, what were some of your favorite aspects of this show that, that did just that? I mean, there's a, lot, there's a lot of stuff. And, you know, the drone footage on, like, yeah. a clear day <laughs> of the school. Hanover High School. Um, you know, they do a whole thing about about timing a drive and <laughs> you know there's a there's a phone call and the timing of the phone call is really critical the Nisha and, call yes yeah so so there's there's a whole bunch of like little nod and wink things that 
you don't you don't have to have seen serial or making a murderer to enjoy it but there's a lot of sort of like inside joke type stuff i was really taken back because really how young this genre is right i think maybe i don't know, halfway through the first or second episode it really hit me that i'm seeing every single cliche that we have created. And it didn't take a long time for this to become cliche. Yeah, you're not talking about like the true crime that existed before Serial. You're talking about the no. takes itself very seriously true crime that has yes. existed after Serial. Yes, yeah. The earnest true crime. Yeah. The new like, the, the but, jinx. But, but Tony's right, the dr- like the drone shots and then like the slow pans and trucks and into the principal's office. And, right, of the empty <laughs> office and like the, like the where the scene happened and then all the animation recreation of timelines and you know like the hand job and the spraying of the dicks and whatnot all of those things were just used i mean i just really think it was brilliant and it really captured the essence of what we like and what is kind of at this point surprisingly hackneyed about this genre including us i know i know and i i still kind of a big part of me still likes that stuff oh but i yes and it was used just so perfectly. One of the things that struck me about this show was they did use that all-white <laughs> reenactment <laughs> animation uh-huh. that we've seen in so many things, in different iterations. I think the Jinx used a lot of that reenactment animation. You know, we see it a lot on, like, Dateline, NBC. It's sort of like, if the person is standing here, then this has... And it's sort of just, like, trying to show you clinically. But they used it... In the most like absurd and awesome situations, as Laura mentioned, there was the hand job scene, but then there was also like the scene at the party where they were looking at the different they were actually the- analyzing the different quick like uh, cell phone video angles that the kids could possibly have taken to capture a conversation that may not have been relevant, and they would just pop to that animation, and then they would do a thing where they would like slow down the audio to make it clear what they said, and that was another trope. Like that, it was like trope upon trope upon trope, and one of those is like slowing down audio and. and and just and then just interpreting what they said and putting like like words over it and then you're like oh yeah that's what he said when you're <laughs> like I can't hear that like it was really just so so good now Laura one of the things that also struck me was that this is also a show about high schoolers and they yes. d- I think did an admirable job showing high schoolers and telling a story about high schoolers do you agree with me I actually that was something I was thinking about as I was watching this you know I I don't have a high schooler yet I have an almost middle school schooler. But as I was watching the actors in this that are obviously, you know, that the scene is the high school, I, I feel like it was pretty accurate. And I feel like um, because we were on Netflix, we were a little more uncensored, maybe in terms of the things they were able to do, like they had their big bongs out. And like they had like, you know, we had the stoner crowd and <laughs> dynamics with the boyfriends and the girlfriends and the hookup lists. And like, oh, I can't believe she hooked up with him. But I felt like a lot of that sort of background narrative that was going on as they were solving the great mystery here, it felt authentic to me. I felt like they did a pretty good job. It didn't feel scripted. No. I felt like that. Individual know, scenes didn't feel scripted. Yeah, I felt like maybe they gave them like talking points and they improved and hit like a certain bunch of things, but it felt so real. Peter Maldonado, the well, protagonist, the Sarah Koenig of the show. I think our daughter like walked in like, like we were on episode four or something and started watching it and like. Ten minutes in, and had to ask, "Is this a? Is this real? Is this? Yeah, is this really probably she hadn't seen all the dicks part? So yeah, she yeah, <laughs> because just because it was, it, you could tell when something is is scripted. It's 
It felt real. Now, there were very... Great job for young actors to do that. Yeah, and there were also, I think, a lot of subtextual and very subversive takes on other things around pop culture and teenage portrayal. One of them, I'm just going to let Toby rail against because I know he didn't like it, and I actually did. So, Toby, you sent me a note, and it was a one-sentence note. The Chinese exchange student was a terrible decision. Go, Toby. Why'd you send me that note? Well, unless it's supposed to be lampooning, like the 80s, and I'm not going to be able to remember all of it, but like Long Duck Dong mm-hmm. was in mm-hmm. one of those 80s high school movies. Yeah, that's 16 this Candles, idea Toby. That you Come got, on. Like, <laughs> what? 16 Candles, Toby. Come on. I, I can't, I, I can't <laughs> no more Yankee on my wanky. <laughs> but it's, it's this is really kind of depressing. Cheap, yeah. Yeah. And it's just like the naive Chinese exchange student who like people like sort of love in a condescending way who wants to party with American girls and stuff. And it, it seemed like kind of a false note in this one. Now, I think you were blind to the layer there that he was not actually Chinese. Well, he was Chinese descent, but he was Canadian. Well, he was Canadian, yeah. And I actually think it was exactly the first thing you said. I think it was supposed to be shows like this and films like this always have this character. American media is, for some reason, still really comfortable making fun of Asians and really comfortable making fun of fat people. Like, that is a thing that has been written about so many places I'm literally not making it up and I think that that is what they were doing here with that character I don't know maybe I'm giving them too much credit but I just thought it was a really smart show and maybe I didn't want to think that that wasn't an ironic statement I don't know you know I like you bring up like fat people or whatever I mean there were certainly like the kids who Dylan hung out with were not like sort of the classic attractive you know right and for whatever reason I think the fact that they were just sort of cool, normal people who were stoners, who were his buddies, that felt a little bit different to me than this Chinese-Canadian exchange student who they forced to drink so many beers that he, like, dies, (laughs) essentially, for a few minutes or a few seconds. Now, I want to talk about what, to me, was the shocking twist in this show. In the penises? Which is that it turned into a real mystery that I ended up really yeah, caring about. Actually, you're right. Yeah. Yes. Part of that is because of their portrayal of the politics of high school and the adults who work in high schools, right? They have the teacher. Oh, the teachers. They have, and they, and they sort of make a joke out of it initially, but then it sort of gets more layered. And then they really kind of get into, and this, by the way, now that we have three high schoolers, one of whom I think is actually somebody who is been subject to this, there is actually profiling that goes on in high schools. We were just talking about this at dinner tonight where there are kids that if they're thought of as troublemakers, all of the kids could be doing something and like those specific troublemaker kids Mm -hmm. will be the ones who get in trouble while like the honor Mm -hmm. student kids will get a pass. That actually happens. Yeah. If you're a known dick drawer. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So they take this known dick drawer thing where it's a joke, like he's stupid, he's always getting in trouble, he's this. And they actually successfully turn it into a real mystery that somehow, as a viewer, I ended up caring about. Kevin, was I alone in that? No, I found myself, I was surprised that I actually cared about the mystery part of it because everything else was just so ludicrous. And funny. And funny, right. I mean, this is just satire. I mean, I think that's probably what made it so funny, made it so good, is that it actually had, by accident or not, 
Um, it was not by uh, accident. Yeah. It couldn't have been by accident. I mean, what kept driving like all the funny action and stuff is that like they kept unraveling things. And all of a sudden there's like, well, is your doubt? Maybe he actually did do it. And then like maybe it's this. And we have a clue. There's, you know, with the can of paint. Unlike real life where a lot of times you don't get those twists and turns and the timing isn't quite right. You know, they're able to make that happen in, in this fictional world, which... You know, I laughed at Dylan, so I guess I cared for him. I did. Dylan was awesome. Yeah, but I was surprised I actually cared about the mystery. <laughs> and the actor who plays Dylan is awesome. He really is so good. Uh, Laura, the other thing that happens in the show that I really loved is they get into a point where it becomes about the meta of the show. This fake documentary that this fictional high schooler is making about this ridiculous yes. dick mystery goes viral. And then we have a whole episode about the meta, about what it means when a crime becomes popular and people start weighing in. <laughs> yes, I, that part was I, I had fun with that. The kid who's like, hey, yeah, I'm the I'm the lunch kid and I'm the one who, who likes, you know, the lunches. And, the, and, and they were all interviewing all the kids about, you know, their newfound popularity because they had appeared in this documentary. Um, <laughs> it was ridiculous, but it kind of rang true. And, and then when it was getting shut down after it went viral, that was also a part that, you know, I definitely got invested in as they were, you know, secretly recording and taping with their cell phones <laughs> in their pockets. And I was like, oh, this is getting very cloak and dagger now. Um, yeah, it was it was great. And the mystery, too. I mean, for me as well, I definitely did get sucked into that mystery. And I, and I really was still guessing. Each time, you know, an episode would end, they did a good job at really leaving you with that final twist before the next episode so that you started to really question where things were going. Now, Toby, I'm going to start with you. This is the time in the show where we tell our listeners if they should check something out. I think we've all tipped our hand. In addition to giving your thumbs up, their thumbs down of American Vandal, I would just love to sort of kind of get your feelings about it. How did you feel about how you feel about this show? So thumbs up or thumbs down, and then how do you feel about doing that? I would give it a thumbs up, you know, with a caveat that if you're not going to find dick jokes funny, (laughs) (laughs) don't bother. You got to have to put up with a lot of shit to get to the other stuff. But if you do like dick jokes, then you're golden. I don't don't know. I I thought it was really smart. I thought it, it also... It did, you know, in kind of a smart way, kind of nod towards some of the some of the issues that come up with these kinds of true crime things. They, they they seem to spend more time on sort of the collateral damage to people who are yes. sort of peripheral to the investigation. Yes, and the victims than, than anything else. <laughs> I thought that was good. I thought there was an interesting thing when um the teacher was Miss Shapiro. Is that her name? Mm-hmm. Whoever the, te- the Spanish the teacher. Spanish teacher. Yeah. She says, I was wrong about that crime, but I'm not wrong about you. Again, I, I that seemed like sort of a smart summing up on, I think, a, a lot of stuff that, that's gone on in the true crime media that we've reviewed. I thought it was really good. It was smart. Yeah, thumbs up. Laura Bricker, what about you? What's your review? And uh, how do you feel about your review? My review is thumbs up. And um, Patrick, I feel good about that thumbs up. And and I feel good about it because I cleaned my house last weekend and binged listening to True Crime Obsessed. And I want Patrick to review this now <laughs> so that I can hear him give the play-by-play reaction to watching this. Um, I give a thumbs up. Even if you're not somebody that's familiar with all of the other true crime documentaries and podcasts that have come before, for now it's funny and it's and it's entertaining and it's 
light and it's smart. And it was something that I, I looked forward to watching. And it was definitely different than a lot of things we'd watched. So it, I, I would recommend it. Yeah, I'm giving it a strenuous thumbs up. And I'm surprised that I am because I thought when I saw the trailer for this that it would be funny for 20 minutes and then tedious. And it was hilarious for 20 minutes and then smarter and smarter and smarter. I actually want to watch it again because I got so much subtext and there was so much going on that I wonder like about all the things that I probably missed along the way. The brilliance of the use of all the tropes. There were references to the keepers in this show and the keepers was probably being made (laughs) when this show was being made so they probably went back and like did some final editing i don't know i just thought the whole thing was just fantastic i loved everything about it i give it a strong thumbs up and i'm proud of that thumbs up and like laura i would love to hear our friend patrick hines talk about it on true crime obsessed kevin what about i don't think they actually made a reference to the keepers i think that they made a reference to a kind of story that the keepers just moved into that space super earnest right like yeah earnest af right because they again it seems like all of these producers are using sort of the same visual techniques and storytelling techniques playbook for true crime and sometimes they people do it really well and sometimes people don't which is what we talk about all the time you know what it reminds me of what Remember when The Matrix came out and it Mm -hmm. was like, holy shit, this is amazing with the 360 cam. And then you saw it like everywhere. Or or wire fighting after a (laughs) crouching tiger hitting dragon. Everybody was doing that. Yes. And this just, but it's hitting at exactly the right time Mm -hmm. to actually lampoon it in a way that is like so good. Yeah. I give it thumbs up way up as Roger would say, way up because it's not a spoof. It's not farcical, it's satirical. And it's like, if you are into any of the stuff that we've talked about, and you're willing to kind of like take a deep breath and sort of let all of that wash over you, you will see the meta. You will see beyond just this silly story, which is good and intriguing. I want Robbie Chatter to watch it. And then <laughs> get down into like all of these other things that you realize that you've been entertained by, right, right. but by how much of it has been subpar or has been derivative. Right. And still, you can still walk away saying, I love true crime. It's funny. This just picked up on a lot of the, the it's things. It's making fun there. of you. At the same time, it's making fun of the true crime. It's making fun of you for loving it in a way that makes you feel good about loving yeah, well, it. Yeah, it brings the audience in and right. everybody's hashtag. Everybody's got an opinion who actually, the actual real- Who drew the dicks. Who the, yeah, who the vandal was. And then- <laughs> And then the web shows about people talking about episode four. It's like, that's us, guys. That's the crime writers right there on YouTube. Thumbs way up. Disney Plus and Hulu are better together in the Disney bundle with new movies and series. On Disney Plus, experience the full Taylor Swift The Eras Tour, Taylor's version, with new main show performances and acoustic collection. On Hulu, follow the fantastical evolution of Bella Baxter, played by Emma Stone in the award-winning film Poor Things. All of these and more streaming this month. Get the Disney Bundle with Disney Plus and Hulu. Terms apply. See DisneyBundle.com for details. Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire. 
With my busy life, I use shipped same-day delivery to keep up. When I need a jar of extra creamy peanut butter delivered, I know my personal shopper Amber will come through. And if it's not on the shelf, she asks them to check the back. Shipped. Delight in every delivery. Learn more at shipped.com. Wow, Kevin, that was really great. I really do like going back and listening to our old episodes. It's fun to hear us banter and you mm-hmm. know how funny we thought we were at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> Toby, man, he's yeah. real cynical. And all those name drops that you made. Yeah, like anvils, left and right. Left and right. One of my favorite activities, dropping names. Don't wear them out. <laughs> <laughs> so, Kevin, you know what we're talking about next time? Yeah, we're going to be back, be back with a full episode, and we're going to be talking about... The podcast, The Thing, Mm -hmm. about Helen and Olga. The Thing? What about them? (laughs) From from Dateline NBC. And uh, also, we're going to be talking about the Hulu true crime documentary, The Curse of Von Dutch. Wow, like the hats? Yeah, like you, I had to tell you what that was. Don't be like, <laughs> Don't oh, I sound Lord. smart? Yeah, you sound smart. <laughs> Wicked smart. Can I just like make one quick thing? Sure, it's your I show. Just, I just want to thank everyone in our Facebook group. Please join our podcast Facebook group if you have it. People there are wonderful. There's so many smart, awesome pop culture conversations going on and conversations about this podcast. I love it when you point out the mistakes we make. I love it when you point out the things you love. And I really do love it when the conversation conversations get deep because they do and you know there's some really good ones going on right there so go on over right now search on facebook for crime writers on and join our group we will let you in so that's going to do it for this classic rewind if you want to follow me on twitter or instagram you can find me at reb lavoie kevin how can people follow you Uh, i'm at kevin p flynn you can also follow the show on twitter at crime writers on and yeah join our group The show was recorded in the yoga loft above the bodega in Bay St. Louis, Mississippi studio, otherwise known as Studio C, The Closet, in our New Hampshire basement where we keep dozens of photographs of spray-painted dicks to compare, which do or do not have ball hair. Ball hair, it's different. (laughs) On behalf of all the crime writers, thanks so much for listening. We'll be back next week with another True Crime Review. In crime media. Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire.